Hey guys, hope you're doing well. Very exciting week coming up for me because this week it is finally here, the NBA Draft. I'm going to go over a few of my predictions and what I expect to happen or what I would like to see happen. Y'all know the rules. If we're going to get to it, we got to drop the beat first. Let's go. And welcome back, welcome back. You guys are listening to the Mind of Mike J podcast. Again, the NBA season is technically over, but in another way, it is just getting started again because the NBA draft is coming up this week. For people like me, it's a very exciting time because it's basically going to shape how the rest of the league is going to look. A lot of guys coming in, a lot of things that can happen. And if you have been paying attention to things like this, This year's draft is probably one of the most deep drafts talent-wise that we've seen in quite some time. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and in order to help me do that, very excited to bring in my guest, Mr. Tyler Shepard, joins us on the podcast today. Tyler, appreciate you being here, sir. Hey, appreciate the invite, Mike. All right, so um, I wanted to have you on because there's a a lot of stuff going on. Um, So to really kick things off, I just wanted to get your thoughts on where does Boston go right at the top? Where does Boston go with this number one pick? Uh, to be honest, it's, it's an interesting situation. But for me, I'd say they still take both number one. I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I mean, now, is, would, is it one of those situations where you take the best guy and then you shop him around and send them somewhere else, or do you think they try to integrate them into their current roster? I think they're going to keep them on the current roster. I think him and Isaiah Thomas are going to go side by side. What I think is going to happen is Isaiah Thomas is eventually going to go away from Boston. He has one more year on his contract. He is a free agent next year. I do not see him staying with Boston another year. I think they are going to look at fault is probably their cornerstone moving forward, especially since they have a number one pick this year and potentially the number one pick next year. So they could have two franchise-changing players in the next two years come into their team. Is so I, I, I think, Yeah, I think that makes the most sense, especially since Isaiah's getting close to 30. Yeah, that's true. He is... He is kind of getting getting to that point where he's not getting any better. So what you got in Boston now is what you, you know, what you see is what you get with Boston right now, and then and obviously what you have right now is not enough to beat Cleveland. So you got to do something. Oh yeah, like you 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 have to you have to do something. I feel like yeah, Boston is kind of a win now situation, but I feel like they also need to look towards the future when LeBron does. So within the next, I would I would say probably five years, you got to look at the potential of making the finals. You can pretty much pencil the Cavs in making a push, or I wouldn't even say Cavs. I would say LeBron making a push for the NFL or for the NBA finals for the next couple of years. So you got to look towards the future as well. Is Fultz the best player in the draft, or is he just the best fit, or is it both? I think he's the best player. I haven't. I didn't want. I, 
I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch him that much at Washington. But if you watched him in the combine, the kid's a stud. He is, he is the body of an NBA point guard player. He is the type of player that is going to come out here very similar to like a John Wall, Russell Westbrook. Point guards of that nature are going to come out here and going to pretty much paint his own paint his own little picture going into the NBA. He's going to be his own type of player that a franchise is going to circle around. So yeah, I think personally he is the best player in this draft. And I feel like he, it's not that he doesn't fit into the offense. I feel like an offense can be fit around him, if that makes sense. No, it does. And I think he has the mentality for that too. That's a, that's a thing that a lot of guys discount is I mean, I, I saw him talking that interview with Tracy McGrady that he had last week, and he was say he he was saying he he wants to go for MVP as a rookie, like that's one of his goals, which is you know a little bit unrealistic, but I mean you got to admire the confidence, I guess. Oh yeah, definitely. And who's not to say, hey, you got to he could shoot for it this year, but maybe just because he shot for it this year and didn't get it that's going to leave a platform for him for the future. So he is. So he has that potential of having an MVP caliber talent. To be honest, I think there's way too much talent in the NBA as of now, and he is such a young person that still, that still has to get used to being in the league as well as the system he's in and things of that nature. Could he be an MVP down the road? Be honest, who knows? But I feel like any out of anybody in this draft, I feel like he is the best option to becoming an MVP at some point in his career. And that that makes that makes sense. So if if we since now that we've established that, um, what happens? What happens with two, three, four, and five? Where where? Ah, excuse me. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Lonzo Ball goes number two. I don't. I just don't see a scenario where that doesn't happen, regardless of what else they've been putting out there. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think it's smokescreen, very similar to I think what we have talked in the past about off the air. I think he's just going to be throwing a lot of. I think well, the Lakers are throwing a lot of smokescreen, trying to see if they get some trade offers to get other players and things of that nature. I mean, you've heard that Josh Jackson could be potentially a number two pick, Aaron Fox a number two pick, but I feel like Lonzo Ball is that's his that's his town. There's mutual interest. He has taken a huge risk, not working out for anybody else but the Lakers. It just it doesn't make sense if they do not take him, and he's going to fit that scheme well. I mean, their starting point guard right now is Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, some people say that D'Angelo Russell is the starting point guard. You can easily slide D'Angelo to the two guard, and then have Lonzo and uh, D'Angelo at the ver- or running running the offense. I don't think, for me personally, I don't know what your thoughts on it is, but I don't think Jordan Clarkson is a person. I think he's a starter in the NBA, but I don't think he is somebody that you take uh, you you put in the roster spot and take away for a player like Lonzo Ball. No, I I mean I think I think Lonzo Ball is is the best fit for LA. I mean they they clearly they clearly look like they have a lot of talent and I think it would help to just have a guy 
that can enable a lot of those a lot of those players to really to really basically he I mean raise the level of everybody else on that on that team. I think that's what I think that's what he brings. They don't need another guy that wants to shoot 20, 30 times a game. That's the last thing they need. And not that all the other guys are those kind of players, but it 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 just seems like I mean, watching UCLA, seeing them get up and down the court, seeing guys consistently get open shots, and how um, how easily they were able to score. Lonzo makes all that happen. All 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 those guys were there the year before, except TJ Leaf. But all those guys, for the most part, were there before. But they're they were just that much better. That's the kind of difference that Lon- that's the kind of effect that a guy like Lonzo Ball has on a team. Oh yeah, I mean, there there, there have been a few options that have been thrown out there that are con- that are kind of realistic. Like to be honest, I wouldn't put it past LA to go for a De'Aaron Fox. It depends on what type of point guard you like. You like an explosive point guard that can be a scorer for you, that can be a playmaker consistently by putting the ball in the hoop, I think you go for the air box. You want an all-around player that is going to fit into a scheme where you are potentially going to have a ton of all-stars or future great NBA talent, then you go Lonzo Ball. I think it just it, it's just what you prefer at this point, because obviously Fultz is number one, but I think Lonzo Ball does fit that team the best. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. So if so, we got Fultz and Ball are pretty much the one and two, and no surprises there. What so? What would happen with three, four, and five? So this is where it gets interesting for me, at least. I'm going to start with uh, number three, obviously. But the 76ers, they have an interesting situation. They have Ben Simmons who has not played yet, but they have they have the potential to have a seven-foot point guard. Even though for me, I feel like Ben Simmons is a LeBron-type player. Like, I'm not comparing him to LeBron by any means. He just has the same gameplay. He can play most of the positions on the court. So it depends what you want to do. I feel like the biggest hole for them right now, if you have Simmons at point guard and Robert Covington at small forward, you need to go shooting guard. Me looking at this a little bit today, I felt like Malik Monk is going to fit that system. He is going to he is a go-to scorer. He is going to get to the basket consistently, and he's going to fit the young scheme that they're looking for, and I feel like he's going to trust the process, obviously. So I think Malik Monk goes number three. I don't know what your thoughts are on who, who you were thinking could go number three potentially. I was. I think. I think Malik Monk would make sense. I also think. I also think they might go with Fox, just because I've been I've been reading that De'Aaron Fox has had a lot of good workouts, and they still do kind of need a point guard. I don't know if they're going with a. I don't know if they're going with a... I don't know if Ben Simmons is going to be their full-time point guard. Although, that's what I've heard. I heard they want to go with a really... Um, 
a really non-traditional kind of point guard role, kind of like what the Bucks are doing with Antetokounmpo. Yeah, so I I agree with you 100%. Me and you had a long talk about this before. I've actually recently changed my mind about De'Aaron Fox potentially going number three just because of a high conversation that is going on between Kyle Lowry coming home to Philadelphia. If Mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry comes home to Philadelphia, you will have Kyle Lowry, Malik Monk, Ben Simmons, uh, Sarek, and Embiid. Mm -hmm. That is a solid lineup that can cause a bunch of trouble. You have a veteran point guard running your offense, which should typically be what happens in the NBA. You're, You're... he is going to be leading your team for the for the rest of the way, and they're going to be learning from what would be a player of Kyle Lowry. That's why I kind of went towards Malik Monk route, just for my expectations. Kyle Lowry goes to Philly. I mean, and, and if you believe that Kyle Lowry comes to Philly, that changes the whole thing. I think the Sixers, the Sixers. That number three spot is going to set the tone, I think, for the rest of the draft. We kind of already, I think one and two are kind of a foregone conclusion. But that number three pick is going to set the tone for what everybody else is is able to do. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. Now, for number four, this is, it, it, this is strictly based off of what number three does. As cliche as that sounds, that we have seen many years in the NBA draft where number four has been pretty dead set on a certain player. They number three hasn't really affected how the the fourth pick goes. I feel like this year it does. The reason why is I feel that the Suns, with the roster that they have, with they already have guards and Bledsoe and Booker. Mm-hmm. I feel like they are going to look for the power forward or small forward position. I think Josh Jackson going to the Suns. The reason why is they are filling the power forward hole, even though they do have Marquise Chris there. But they also have a small hole and small forward. For me, I don't know about you, Mike. I'm not a believer in TJ Warren. I'm not. And I also believe that Derek Jones Jr., who is the second small forward on their team, is there just for the dunk contest. So having a legitimate player that is also has star potential in this draft and Josh Jackson, I think could help the 76ers very well. He's not an overwhelming scorer. I think he complements well with what Booker and Bledsoe are going to be doing. I think that would be an excellent fit for them. Josh Jackson's game kind of reminds me of Jimmy Butler a little bit, and but he's bigger. But he seems like a he seems like a bigger, more athletic guy. So, so playing so Phoenix would be a perfect fit for him. I don't. I've I've never been a big TJ Warren fan, so I think an upgrade there is is definitely needed, which would which would bring me to number five. If if those four guys are off the board, the Kings are in a the Kings are also in an interesting spot because I feel like point guard is a is a, I mean really if you're Sacramento you kinda need everything. But Yeah. I mean I mean for the Kings you're losing 
Tyreek Evans to free agency. You're losing Rudy Gay to free agency. I mean, your power forward, you have completely unexistent players for the most part that potentially shouldn't even be on an NBA roster. Then you have Willie Cauley-Stein at your center. I feel like Willie Cauley-Stein's probably the safest player on this roster. I mean, at shooting guard, you have Buddy Heald, but I feel like Willie Cauley-Stein is at the more of a need, especially with how weak center typically is in the NBA. So for me, I think you also need to fill the hole at point guard, which is why I feel like this is going to be the interesting pick for the Kings, because, I mean, you're losing Darren Collison and you are losing Ty Lawson to free agency. So for here, I think you still got to go point guard, and I think this is the perfect spot for De'Aaron Fox. This is definitely going to be his team where I feel like he is that type of player to where that he needs a team that is going to be built around him. And he's going to be able to show off the athleticism where that and Kentucky, when he was making a lot of shots, he was also missing a lot. You're going to have a player in Willie Cauley's sign to back you up, who also went to Kentucky as well. So I feel like De'Aaron Fox is a perfect fit at this spot. I don't know what your thoughts are at the, at, for the Kings. I, I think I had him drafting Jason Tatum at that five, although point guard is the fastest way to turn your team around, kind of like in football, where like you can go with the safe pick or you can just go ahead and get a quarter you can just go ahead and get a quarterback because if you know if you if you nail the quarterback pick the whole trajectory of your franchise changes though oh yeah and and you you have an excellent point there the reason why i didn't want to choose a forward at this position is the kings have a later pick in the with still within the lottery but point guards you're going to see the point guard really good point guards on this in this draft go really quickly. So you're so for you to get a point guard, a good point guard that you're going to call a piece to your to your franchise, you gotta take them early. I feel like there are plenty of power forwards and small forwards that are going to be in this draft that you could plug in. But I, I also believe for myself that De'Aaron Fox can be a talent that nobody can deny when he gets everything figured out, when he matures a little bit. He has ridiculous athleticism. He has, you, if you just watch him in the NCAA tournament, he he navigates to the goal like it's nothing. And yeah. I feel like that's going to be huge for the Kings. And that's, some, and that's the type of player that they need. That I mean, that makes sense. This is a really good draft for point guards. So if you kind of need one, even if it's not your most pressing need, it might be the, in in your best interest to go ahead and pick one up while it's still good. So I could, I mean, I, I could see it going both ways. Um, so now, so now we've got that out of the way. We got six. So you had. So let me just to recap. You got Fultz, Fultz and Lonzo Ball one and two. Then you yep. had um, Malik Monk. Then you had Josh Malik Monk of Philadelphia, Josh Jackson, and De'Aaron Fox. Yep. Okay. Um, so moving on, 
I would assume you'd have Tatum going to Orlando at six. This one, this one is also interesting. This is a situation in who do you believe in on this roster? For me personally, I think Orlando has an excellent roster that just needs a little bit more time together. They don't have any outs. They don't have any stars, so to say. They have a bunch, a bunch of good players, if that makes sense. So, for me, I feel like, yeah, the small forward hole is the biggest thing that you need to fill. I feel like Jason Tatum's going to fit that perfectly. And they do need a scorer. I mean, Fournier can score, but we've seen him chill around the three-point line for, for most of last year. He's going to be one of those guys that's not really going to drive, dish, anything like that. He is kind of a post-up, give-me-the-ball-when-you're-driving type player. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Jason Tatum's going to fit, fit that hole the best. Right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I I, I see. I've, I've already got Tatum off the board at this point, so... I'm I'm looking at either Jonathan Isaac or maybe Orlando reaching for Dennis Smith. Same same for the for the same reason I was just saying before. It's a good draft for point guards, so even if you don't necessarily need one, you just go ahead and grab them just in case. Yeah. I think. It depends if you believe in Peyton. Do you believe he is a type of person that's going to carry your team to the promised land, so to say? And do you think he's he's good? I mean, he's a young player, so that's good for your future. But do you think he has the skill set to carry the team even farther than than where they're at now? Which obviously they're not in a great position. But if you give him tools, will he succeed? Yeah, I mean, Orlando. There's a lot of pressure on Orlando to nail this pick because. They haven't had a good draft pick, I feel like, in a long time. The the one that kind of sort of looked good, Oladipo, they traded him. Yep. So we'll, we'll have to see. Minnesota, another year, another lottery pick. I mean, I don't, I don't know if whoever they draft is going to really make a huge difference. Because it just seems like they... But Tom Thibodeau is the coach now and who has a proven track record of winning. So perhaps they can... I, I'm, not, I'm, not sure where, I'm not sure where they need to go. Because it seems like they have... They have a recent lottery pick for damn near every position on their team. Yeah, they do. And to be honest, I think they have fulfilled those. And we have heard it time and time again, oh, this is going to be the year that Minnesota figures it out and stuff like that. I still think they have a little bit of time. But if you look at their roster, they are going to build their last hole here. I believe Chris Dunn is their future. I think Rubio is going to be is already one foot out the door. I think he's going to be completely gone by the end of this offseason. So Chris Dunn at point guard. You have shooting guard. You have Zach Levine. Yeah, he got hurt. He got a he, he tore his uh, ACL if I if I remember correctly. But you don't want to draft a shooting guard for a temporary replacement for a couple months, especially when you're in the lottery like this. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you stay away from shooting guard. You have small forward. 
Ford, you have Andrew Wiggins, and you also have Shabazz Muhammad, which Shabazz Muhammad could be hitting free agency this year as a restricted free agent, if I'm not mistaken. So they could, the Timberwolves could match whatever any team offers. I, I don't see him going anywhere. I think he, he remains as their sixth man, so to say, as soon as Chris Dunn moves into the starting lineup. And then obviously you have Cat. Cat, we did see play uh, at power forward a little bit, and while Dang played at center. I don't see uh, Georgie Dang as a consistent starter in the NBA. I see him definitely more as I'm gonna I'm gonna help relieve some of the pressure off the cat. So the biggest hole you gotta fill is power forward, which they have Omar Caspi and Adrian Payne. For me, I feel like this is a perfect fit for Jonathan Isaac. One, he plays excellent defense. The guy is a shot blocker, he is long, he is going to cause a lot of havoc down there. He is also an excellent rebounder to compliment when Cat goes and steps outside a little bit, he likes to, Cat likes to shoot those threes. So you need somebody to rebound. He's going to be long enough to help rebound at the same time. And then, he's not going to, by any means, he's not going to, I don't think he wows you on offense, but I think he, he makes the baskets when needed, which I think is important, especially when you're trying to fill your last hole on your offense. And, and that makes sense. I think I think that's a good. I think that's a good call. Um, can are you, you have to be on speaker? Yeah, I do. Okay, All right, I don't hear myself in the background anymore, so it's cool. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, but the thing I like about Jonathan Isaac is that he's he I, I think Jonathan Isaac fits the mold of you know that that defender the tough the tough defender type guy that Tom Thibodeau being a defensive minded coach is clearly going to going to want I think that's the that's the that's the kind of guy that they need because they have enough guys that want to shoot they don't need yeah. that's the last thing they need is another guy that wants to shoot so so having a guy like Isaac that can contribute in all the other areas, and I remember seeing him at Florida State. He gets rebounds. He gets he plays defense. He gets rebounds. He can he can hit the open shot. He has the kind of he has a a very nice complementary kind of game to where his he can get he can be effective without having to take away from what anyone else is doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, that's why I feel like that is a perfect fit. I mean, to be honest, I still think they even take Jonathan Isaac if Tatum's available because I feel like Tatum is another person that needs the ball in his hand. If Tatum did fall to the Timberwolves, I still see Isaac going to them. Maybe so. The um, I, 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 think if, I think in Minnesota's situation, they would take Isaac over Tatum even if they had the chance to draft both. Yep. So, so we got, so, um, so we're down, we've got seven down, uh, New York, Dallas, and Sacramento. I've, I, like I've, like I've been saying, I think this is prime position for New York to draft a point guard. Yeah. 
They're going to. Yep. Rose is a free agent. Carmelo is from everything that we've seen. Carmelo doesn't have a future in New York anymore. Porzingis is really the only guy that you have that seems like he'll still be there in the next two or three years. So that being said, it's really tough. It's like, like I was saying before, point guard kind of a good point guard pick is going to really accelerate and expedite the process of getting your franchise back to relevancy and New York being in a being in the market that they're in, in the New York market, the pressure to really perform and really nail this pick is there. Because Phil Jackson, honestly, since he's taken over, has not really delivered on anything other than drafting Porzingis. Yep. Uh, I, I think this is the perfect spot for him to take Dennis Smith Jr. I think the type of player that Dennis Smith Jr. Jr. can be. I wouldn't say it's a franchise type player, but I think he's going to be a really good point guard in this league. I think this is something, obviously, you want to focus more around Brzingis. Melo's already one foot out the door, probably going to leave within the next year or two. I think this is the time you take Dennis Smith Jr. You have a quick, athletic point guard that is going to make a difference in the NBA as a really good player, and that is what you will take. I think they stay away from the international route. I think they they, they stay with Dennis Smith Jr. Right, right. Okay, uh, I think I think that makes perfect sense. That literally couldn't have said it much better. Um, now we've got all those out of the way. Dallas is the one team I can't, in the lottery at least, that I can't seem to figure out. I can't seem to figure out where exactly they're going to go. I want to say point guard as well. Um, but they're another team that kind of needs a little bit of everything. I mean, you got Harrison Barnes, but Dirk is going to retire in a, if either in, in this year or the next. Yep. Dirk's going to retire any year now. The only guy you really have that you can build... Barnes is really the only guy on that team that you can build around. So you they're yeah. kind of in a position where they could go anywhere. Yeah, I think for Dallas, you got to also answer the question yourself. Do I believe in Yogi Ferrell? And do I believe in Seth Curry? I think Seth Curry could be the starting two guard for Dallas for a while especially since Wesley Matthews is now above 30 years old, mm-hmm. and they're looking to get younger, We especially after Dirk leaves. I don't believe in Yogi. I don't know about you, so I think they go point guard. I think they go the international route as well, where they go the Frank Natilica, uh, I think how he spells how he says his last name. I haven't really heard many interviews around him. But yeah. I think they go that route at point guard. Yeah, I know nothing about this kid at all, but Dallas has shown the propensity to draft to draft foreign players, so that's that's not out of the realm of possibility. I wish I knew more. I wish I had done a little bit more looking him up, but it, you know, it's it's kind of hard to find highlights of international prospects. Yeah, no, you were right. So we really just don't know. Um. But 
Dallas. Dal- I mean, the, the one thing I will say is Dallas is in a is in kind of an advantageous position where they can just go for best player available. It's almost yeah. impossible for them to to really screw it up as far as position and need because you, know, you can pretty much make a case that they could use help everywhere. Oh yeah. Besides, I mean, to be honest, besides Harrison Barnes, but I feel like for their for their situation, I don't think they're in the best situation, especially roster construction wise. If they were higher in the lottery, this would be the perfect draft for them. But the fact that they're a little bit lower in the lottery kind of hurts their position. So yeah, best best player available. But I think they still take uh, take the guy out of France. You just you've got to, especially if you're trying to fulfill that point guard position. If you believe in Yogi Ferrell or not, right? I I, I think. Farrell's definitely a temporary guy, in my opinion. But um, Sacramento picks again at ten. Yeah. If in in your in your mock so far, they already have a point guard. So who are they taking with their second pick in the top ten? I don't think I don't think they're going to go with any more guards because they're going to be at this point. They're going to have Darren Fox. They're going to have Buddy Yield. They're going to have Baron Apollo still on the team. They could go small forward, but I feel like they're going to go try to go fishing a little bit in free agency for the small forward. This is where I think Zach Collins goes. He is an excellent player. I think he's going to fit that scheme well. He's not, he's not going to overwhelm you with scoring. And to be honest, we didn't see that much of him at Gonzaga due to probably seniority reasons. But he was a very good player. You can see the athleticism when watching him. And when I was when I was watching the, the national championship, the dude can play. He is he is a little immature whenever it comes to fouling. He does like to swat. He likes to go for the big play. But I feel like this is a perfect spot for Zach Collins to go and be. Get, be paired beside Willie Cauley-Stein, and that Kings team has a solid, solid uh, rebounding team to build around. Yeah, I, I like Collins. I do like I do like his game. Like I like I told you in the past, I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan of guys that. That didn't. That have just played. When I mean, the fact that you play one year in college is is iffy enough. But your one year in college was coming off. You were coming off the bench. You weren't really in a starting role. I just that doesn't. Nothing about that says says that you're getting a star. And that's what you have to get. You have to get a guy that's going to be a key contributor if you're drafting in the t- in really in the lottery at all. But definitely in a draft like this in the top 10, there are guys that are key contributors. So you have to make sure that you nail it if you have a high pick this year. And I nothing nothing about that says that this guy's going to be it. I could be wrong, but nothing about that says that you're going to be more than a, a role player, not even guaranteed to be a long-time starter. He is going to be a risk. It will be a risk, but... 
I think, especially for myself, and probably what the Kings might be thinking too, not, not saying I'm part of the Kings or anything of that nature, this is a pick. If you see the high reward and you see the potential, you don't like the rest of the stuff below it, which me personally, I don't, take them. At least it's something you could have a boom or bust about. And to be honest, I don't think many people are talking about bust as a pick sitting at 10. So I feel like this is a perfect situation for them to get a boomer bust player that they could hit at home or they could strike out. Yeah, the guy that you really, the guy that they really want to turn around the franchise is going to be who they get at five. So they have. That's why I believe De'Aaron Fox is going to be the perfect player that fits that mold. Somebody that you could definitely build your team around moving forward. Yeah, I I think I I thought Markinen seemed more of a seemed more realistic at this at this point. Collie Stein, Willie Collie Stein's the guy that's going to sit under the basket and block shots and rebound. Markinen comes in as the compliment. He's a guy that he can run the. If you've got if you've got De'Aaron Fox at five, you'd need a guy like Markinen to run the pick and roll or the pick and pop or a lot of. He's that. He's that perfect, that versatile wingman that can step away from the basket and make that pick and roll effective, which is what De'Aaron Fox, from what I saw, majority of his points came off setting screens and him being able to make the decision off the pick and roll. But at that point, you already have Omar Caspi who's going to be doing the same thing. I feel like the Kings at this point need to get a person that is going to fit their scheme, and I think the scheme that they're going to go is athletic, that can run, that can get up and down the floor, and we're going. We're not going to probably beat you with our basketball IQ, but by golly, we are going to be super athletic. And I feel like that is what the Kings are probably going to be shooting towards. So I feel like that's why Zach Collins is perfect because Laurie, to be honest, he's not athletic. I, he he looks like a goofball running up and down the court. He kind of looks a little bit more of a goofball than Frank the Tank. But I can see where you kind of want to use him to stretch the floor. But if you are going for scheme and the team and in trying to figure out the identity of the team, I feel like this is a perfect draft. To try to go athletic, but to get everybody, have, every single pick that we go for is going to be athletic. We're taking them. That is going to be our identity. Teams are going to hate us when they play us because we are super athletic. I mean, that's, it, it, and if that's the direction you want to go in, then a pick like Zach Collins would make sense. And if, if that, and that's an entertaining brand of basketball to play, it's, it's almost a kind of, it's almost there to, to make people forget like that your team actually isn't that good. If you're scoring a bunch of points, a lot of people won't really care. So the least they can do is play an entertaining brand of basketball. Uh, but now that we've had the top 10, we can finally get to the team we really wanted to talk about. Charlotte Hornets at number 11. I've said in the past, I think, and I'm, I'm going to stick with it, I think... I think there is a strong chance that Malik Monk falls all the way to eleven, and that's who. And that, and if he is there, I think the Hornets would be foolish not to take him. 
But seeing as that's like my miracle home run pick, I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset with Justin Jackson. Yeah, that, that's actually who I have is Justin Jackson's about Malik Monk in the top three. I think Justin Jackson fits that mold, and I'm and I, I also considered high, really highly at this pick as well, Luke Kennard. But at this point, I feel like Justin Jackson is more of going to be an NBA type player compared to Luke Kennard, who is going to definitely have a major role. I think there is more of a reward that Justin Jackson becomes a uh, a more bona fide starter compared to Luke Kennard. But, and there has been a lot of people looking at Justin Jackson. The only thing that worries me a little bit about Justin Jackson is how he's going to transition into the NBA. He has proven that he is an excellent college basketball player, but how is he going to transition what he learned in college to the NBA is going to be huge for the Hornets. But for your situation for Malik Monk, I feel like Malik Monk could easily fall to the Hornets if the Philadelphia 76ers decide to go elsewhere. Every other team that if you look up in the draft has a shooting guard of of a type of caliber that is I, I consider to be a decent starter in the NBA. I mean, the Mavericks have Wesley Matthews, Seth Curry, the Knicks have Courtney Lee and Justin Holiday. Wolves have Zach Levine. The Magic have Fournier. The Kings have Aaron Apollo, but they also have Buddy Hield that they they have shown a lot of promise and they believe in Buddy. The Suns have Trevor or have uh, Devin Booker. The 76ers are the only ones that have a hold because their shooting guard is the garbage Gerald Henderson. I hate Gerald Henderson. He is he is the worst. I cannot believe how high people are on Gerald Henderson. Watching him when he was a Hornet, all I've seen him do is turn the ball over and just take fadeaway shots. I feel like that's all he did. I feel like like Malik Monk, though, it is extremely possible he can fall to the Hornets. But you got to also be a little bit worrisome of what the Mavericks the Mavericks and the Sixers are the only teams I'm really afraid of taking him. Everyone else, I feel like, has such a strong need in another area that they wouldn't take him, or they just don't need him at all. I think if he if he makes it out of number three, we're don't really have to worry about it until we get down to eight, and then I could see New York taking him as well. If he gets past New York, I think I think we're in the clear. I, I think yes, I think he needs to get past Dallas. It depends what Dallas wants to do. Or Dallas, yeah, that's right, that's right. But I mean, they have shown a lot of belief in Seth Curry, so yeah, they could they, they could stick with Seth. I think they're more likely to stick with Seth than say the Seventy Sixers sticking with Gerald Henderson. But I think I think Malik Monk does have a shot to fall all the way through. But if I if Malik Monk's not there, 
Yeah, Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson would be a nice consolation prize. I don't think there's any chance that Justin Jackson is not still on the board by the time the Hornets pick. And I would not have a problem with it at all. What is, what's like the most dire thing that the Hornets need, in your opinion? I mean, yeah, you have the point guard. You have Kemba. He's not going anywhere. You have Nick Batum, a shooting guard. Even though, for me, I believe that small forward is more of his type of position. But it's nice to have a hybrid type player like that. Small forward, you also have MKG. I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not a huge fan. I think you use him as a potential tool. If you believe in Monk and you really want Monk and you see him fall out of the top three, you are, if I was the Hornets, you are shopping your pick and Michael K. Gilchrist and seeing if somebody fights to move on. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, power forwards, you have Marvin and Frank the Tank. I think they're, they're not going anywhere. And then at center, you have Zeller and Plumley. To be honest, I think the biggest need is small forward. You could claim that there's a need for a post player, but we have we have a track record of taking post players in the draft. Why do we need to take another one? Let's try to go a different route. Let's try to figure it out somewhere else. Yeah, the the, the whole the center thing has never worked out for Charlotte ever. So I'd rather us not. I'd rather not draft another post player. There's not a guy that's going to be available at 11 or really at all in this entire draft. That's a big man. That's really going to make a difference like that. I agree. But I just, I just hope we, I just hope we know. I'm still bitter over the fact that we could have had the number one, but I guess that's besides the point. Exactly. So you know, it is what it is. Well, Charlotte's got to make. Got they have they they really have a chance to make this one count. Well, we'll we'll really just have to see. We'll really, just have to see. Um. So just to just to wrap up the lottery because we really there's really no need to go past the lottery picks. We got Detroit, Denver, and Miami, which. At this point, you know, they're kind of picking up. I think this is where... I think Detroit... Detroit's another one. I I don't know... They're kind of like Dallas in the sense that they can... They could really go with any position and and almost... And justify it. Center would be the only one. Drummond's the... Andre Drummond's the only guy on your team that you really... I think that you really have like as a cornerstone as of your franchise. I don't know who else on that team isn't replaceable. Yeah, I mean to be honest, yeah, Drummond's the only person that's replaceable. If I'm Detroit, I am looking to replace Caldwell Pope. He is a restricted free agent this year, but to be honest, he is the type of player that puts up the type of numbers that he's going to get a decent contract. I, I personally think he will. So that means you need to go for a different shooting guard. So I believe Luke Kennard is going to be the person that fits that mold. You have a shooter on the outside. He can also score in different ways. I believe that he could also go to the Hornets. 
he's a better fit in Detroit next to Reggie, Marcus Morris, yeah, Marcus Morris, Stanley Johnson, uh, Tobias Harris, and Andre Drummond. I feel like that's a good good person to take because you expect him to start, but at this type of pick, you don't expect him to be a star. And and you don't. And Detroit doesn't need a star per se. And there's really nobody available that's going to be able to turn your franchise around that much. But Detroit's not so bad of a team that they're that they would be that desperate for somebody that can be a superstar. So yeah, a guy like Kennard, you know what you're getting. You know he can <laughs> shoot. You're not going to get to the NBA and just forget how to shoot unless you're PJ Hairston. But the um, but the Kennard is you know you know he can shoot. You know that's something that you need. Like you said, you could afford to come off a guy like Caldwell Pope, maybe save a little money to bring in another veteran that can help you, and then Kennard just comes in, come in, comes in and replaces Caldwell Pope. So you got a little bit more leverage with the free agency situations. So just kind of, well, we we can let him, we can afford to let him go now. Yeah, and then on top of that, if a uh if a free agent for some reason decides they wanted to come to Detroit, say a, a shooting guard that might be worthwhile to them, like a Tyreek Evans or something like that, Luke Kennard's also a person that's a nice player to come off the bench as well. But I think Luke Kennard is definitely one of those hybrid starters that, or hybrid players that could be a starter or a role player. I agree with that. So I do like Kennard to Detroit at 12, um, which would leave Denver and which would be Denver and Miami. Denver, I don't think, needs a guard at all. Uh, no. Yeah, they're loaded with guards. They definitely don't need a guard. So, forward, I would think, would probably be their biggest need. Because... Yeah, especially since Gallinari is becoming a free agent, I feel like that is the biggest need. And, I mean, Jokic has really made his mark. As a center, so forward, so forward is your clear need. However, I'm not a hundred percent sure who they go with. If in my scenario, Justin Jackson's still on the board, so this might be where we see him as well. Although I could see him maybe taking a reach on Harry Giles. I I, I personally think they 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 see a reach somewhere else in Jared Allen. I like, I like him. I don't think he is definitely. I think he is a borderline lottery pick. So this is the perfect spot for him to go. He could be a good reward type player, but I think he is going to be a consistent player in the NBA. He's going to complement Jokic well. He's not going to take. He's not going to take the ball away from Jokic to where that Denver can focus the offense around him. He is going to be a solid player in the post. That's going to help grab boards and still have decent potential. So I don't see. I and if Justin Jackson did fall, such as if the Hornets did get Malik Monk, I would. I don't see that bad either. Especially if you are seeing Tyson Chandler, or yeah, or Chandler come or Wilson Chandler, excuse me, coming into the end of. I wouldn't even say the end of his career, but he's starting to go on the on the slope towards his prime, and then behind that, you have Mike Miller. So, I mean, Justin Jackson could 
definitely be a good role player starter on that team if needed. Justin Jackson can help a lot of teams. He can he can catch and shoot. He can get his he got to the he developed into the kind of player that can that can create his own shot. Yeah. So he can get he can get his shot off by himself, but he can also move off the ball and get open. He can score from all three levels. And he's a very, very underrated defender. In the NCAA tournament, he really impressed me with how he was able to you shut down Monk. What he else did. do you need him to do? He, he shut down Monk and uh, uh, Nigel uh, Goss, whatever his name is. Nigel Williams Goss, yeah, yeah. He, he shut him down. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's he's a good pick there. But I personally believe they go the Jared Allen route. Maybe so. I I just don't. I've never liked Jared Allen. Just watching him play, I he just seems like he seems like a bust to me. I don't. And I hate throwing that kind of judgment on on a kid so early, and especially with him being a freshman. But I've I've never been a huge fan of Jared Allen. But my now the Miami to wrap it up, I think is where ultimately Harry Giles goes. I think it's a a huge reach to say that he'll get drafted any higher than fourteen. Oh, I agree. I- and, I mean, Harry Giles is a boomer bust type player. You're going to either hit a freaking home run and a and an all-star type player, which is what people have predicted, especially Duke fans. But he is definitely going to be a good type of – or a uh, high-risk, high-reward type player. I don't, bl- I don't believe he goes here, though. I don't think Harry Giles goes in the lottery. I feel like this is a spot to where – Miami needs a power forward. And Harry Giles does fit that description, but I feel like the injuries are going to scare Miami away, especially Pat Riley, who believes more in, I want I want something that's going to be more for sure, a for sure thing instead of a high-risk, high high-reward. I think this is a good spot for John Collins to go. I think John Collins is a, lottery type talent and we've seen a lot of well, me and you've definitely seen him a lot in college I think this is a good spot for him to go to showcase what he can do he's not going to overwhelm you with scoring nothing of that nature he is a solid player that can go into a roster and fulfill needs just like Justin Jackson I really see I feel the exact opposite of Jared Allen with John Collins. I really like Collins' game. I think he's, I think he's extremely efficient. He can use both hands around the basket. He doesn't seem to waste. A, I'm a big fan of guys that don't waste a lot of movement. You know, he's he's kind of he's kind of one of these guys that doesn't seem to waste dribbles or waste moves or. Just a very, just a very solid, very clean kind of game, and and he's a nearly a seven footer as well. Oh yeah, and I, I think that's a perfect compliment to have beside Hassan Whiteside. You have two players that are going to be an excellent put putback type type scenario, especially if they get like a Gordon Hayward that comes over. 
Tony, which has been a lot of rumors circling around. So I feel like John Collins is a safe route for Miami to go. If you get Hayward, you draft John Collins, that's that's a lot of improvement really quickly just between those two, just plugging those two players into your starting lineup. Oh, yeah. So I I like it I like it so so there's a, there's a lot of things just to kind of recap there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff we the only thing we know for certain we really even even going all the way back to the one and the two even those aren't set in stone I mean I even think there's a chance that Boston doesn't necessarily draft Fultz, or they draft him and trade him. Or the, I, I don't think even that's out of the realm of possibility. Oh, yeah, and I agree. If you're talking about scenarios like that, too, if I'm, if I'm Boston kind of referring to earlier, I don't, I don't know if you want to trade him. Unless you are getting a unforgettable offer, Mm-hmm. I think you keep it, but I'm not taking it out of question that they could go somewhere else, especially if they believe Isaiah Thomas is going to stay in in Boston. You could definitely go a different route, such as like a Josh Jackson. I wouldn't be surprised. And if Josh Jackson goes number one, that changes literally every pick we just every, made. Everything. Oh, it's it's going to be interesting, but um, other than that, is there anything else you wanted to throw out there? You didn't even talk about my team, man. Oh, yeah, even, that's right. You didn't even have what we're drafting. The Hawks have what? The, the 19? They have 19. Hmm. I didn't, I honestly, what it, what would you like to see happen? I think we go for Millsap's replacement. I do not want to see Paul Millsap get an extension. He is going to what high dollar. He is 32 years old. We need to move on. For me personally, we need to find his replacement. And I feel if we stay at 19, which I feel like there is a chance we trade down, but if we stay, I say take the chance on Harry Giles. Hmm. Take the chance. I feel like he could definitely fall to 19. I've seen many mock drafts of him falling in between 12 all the way to 27. Like, it's been ridiculous. So I feel like Harry Giles could be a solid player that the Hawks could use. He's not necessarily... We're not, we're not going to need him to be a star because we have Dwight Howard, Dennis Schroeder, and we have had... Uh, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. playing extremely well. Mm-hmm. We need a guy that can plug in, that's young, and I feel like this is the best case scenario to take Harry Giles, as much as I hate to say it as a Carolina fan. But I think we could also be looking at Bam. So either way, you'd rather them just let Paul Millsap leave? Yeah, I don't. I like Paul Millsap. He is, he is a hawk to me. He is one of the best Hawks we have had in a long, 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 long time. But with the amount of money that he is expecting to make and how old he is, let him go. Let him go. 
Yeah, that's that's. I mean, now twenty million doesn't mean as much now as what it used to, but twenty million dollars, twenty million dollars a year still seems very steep for a guy like him. It could it could hurt a franchise. Look at the look at the spots that the Hornets are in right now. They can't really make a boom make on the free agent market because they have a lot of contracts that are hurting them. That for players of not a star caliber, and that's what's going to hurt them in free agency. And that's what that's why there have been talks that the Hornets need to draft smarter. They need to find a way to trade up in the draft to get a better player and things of that nature. I feel like the Hawks have a chance to let Millsap walk, let him try to get his $20 million a year that he wants, and for us to go a different way. I also believe this is a perfect time to trade down since we need to find bench players we trade down can get a decent bench player trade down let's say with Portland let Portland come up try to take Harry Giles things like that and if you fall all the way down into the 20s this is a perfect time where you can get a Jordan Bell or a Tony Bradley hmm uh yeah I mean they could they definitely could I like Jordan Bell more than I like Giles I think Jordan Bell can be exactly the kind of guy that Paul Millsap was just like maybe a younger, more athletic version. But being that late in the draft, I feel like if you're out of the lottery, you take chances, you got to take a chance. How many players have we seen? Like, what's the percentage of you hitting a all-star type player? Extremely slim outside of the lottery. So this is the time to where we know, we, we see potential in Giles. We've seen it as Carolina fans watching Duke. We also have seen a lot of hiccups to where that inexperience of missing two years of high school can shoot you in the foot. But we see it. That's the thing. And I feel like at this, if you are drafting 15 and later, this type of player is a good person to try to pick up, especially if you're just trying to fill one hole like the Hawks are doing at power forward. Mm-hmm. Well, so. we'll see. We'll see. I, um, I think it'll, I, either way, either way, I know outside of the lot, there will be one guy that will fall outside of this lottery that will look back five or six years from now and go like, Wow, that was a steal. Yeah. And the Hawks there, are in There that always position. is. There always is. But actually getting the person is slim to none chance. Right. Figuring out who that guy is is the hard part. Yeah. But uh, other than that, that's all I had. Was it anything else? No, I'm okay. good, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Mind of Mike J. Always great topics listen to you since the first episode so keep doing what you're doing man I appreciate it man I definitely definitely appreciate you having having us on we'll definitely have to revisit this later on um, after Thursday oh yeah we do we gotta see what interesting situations happen absolutely cause I I mean I like I said anything anything can happen in this draft we could we could have been spot on or we could be completely wrong on everything oh yeah 
I feel good about it. It is a deep draft, but I also feel like this is a little bit more predictable than other drafts. I see the way I feel is the more unpredictable drafts are the ones that you don't know the talent. I feel like this, you can see them. Talent, it's more of feeling needs, especially with the 14, first 14 picks. Absolutely. But, all right, man, well, I'll, I'll catch you later. All right, man, appreciate you having us, appreciate you being on. We'll definitely talk again soon. All right, see you, Mike. Later. All right, guys, well, that's pretty much all we had for this episode. That is Thursday, June 22nd, the NBA draft is. Thursday, June 22nd, really one of two drafts that anybody actually watches, NFL and NBA. I cannot, I honestly cannot wait. This is probably me personally. I think there's a lot more. There, I don't think there's as much excitement, excuse me, as what goes on in the NFL draft, but NBA is very exciting all the same. I want, I really, really wanted to do an L of the week this week, but there's nobody in particular that I feel really strongly about. With that being said... Unfortunately, the Cleveland Cavaliers have to take the L of the week this week. The reason why, as a team, I'm giving Cleveland the L of the week is because Game 3, without question of this NBA Finals, was the difference. That was the game that would have changed the course of a whole series. I think the way they played in Game 4, that was going to be a win regardless. You got blown out Games 1 and 2. 3 was your chance to really come back and set the tone. You would have taken Game 4 and gone back to Golden State tied at 2. And it's a completely different series. Because if they do drop that game in Golden State, they are now... Still 3-2, you still get one more game in Cleveland to redeem yourself, which they would have stood a very good chance of winning, thus bringing it to a seven-game series, which is what should have happened. And if by some miracle you win game five, now you're up 3-2 with a chance to close out on your home floor. But since none of that happened, you got you ended up down 3 Zero with a second game in Cleveland, basically playing just to save face. And when you come back to Golden State, it confirmed what we all thought, which is just, they're just too good. It's just not enough. It just wasn't enough. I'm watching the, the whole time. I'm watching these guys play. He just couldn't stop them. We really couldn't. So it, it it's this is an L for the Cleveland Cavaliers. It although it's a stro- this is a lowercase L of the week because yes, you blew the finals. Yes, it should have lasted longer than five. Were you going to beat the Warriors anyway? I don't think so. 
So it is what it is. Again, I appreciate everybody listening. This has been the Mind of Mike J Podcast. New episodes every Monday. We will see you guys next week.